I head into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome, my friends, for journeying down the stairway to the spoiler room. Pull up a chair with the rest of the crew. It is June, and June has kind of become superhero month every year in the spoiler room. Didn't quite plan it that way, but that's the way it seems to be going. And this month is no different, and we're kicking it off. I decided this month to look at some more 90s superhero films because it was an interesting time after Batman took off when people realized, hey, we could do comic book movies now and people will eat them up. Well, not exactly, but it, it was the first attempt of Hollywood to get to where we are now today in, in, in filmdom, in film viewing audiences. And tonight I have a great crew assembled to talk about The Phantom from 1996. First off, he is back in the spoiler room. It is Mr. Cole Meredith. Hello, Cole. Hello, sir. Let's slam evil. Oh my god. Oh. oh, you had to or oh there we go. There it is already. That's my boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, you did that. That just happened. <sighs> and next to Cole is the diva of the spoiler room. Uh Dawn is here today. Hello, Dawn. History is about to be made, and oh. you're all a part of it. Not an equal part, but an important part, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow how you doing don fantastic how about I, yourself i'm doing all right i'd like you to know that you are a, a partially responsible for me picking this film so I just that's um to... i love that <laughs> you are you 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 inspired me so <laughs> Uh, this one's for you, Don. Um, and next to Don, he's back in the spoiler room in the his house. It's Scotty D. Hello, Scott. Hello, Mark. I'm here for those of you who came in late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. The Phantom. Yes, it is a comic book film. Uh, and does anyone want to give the summary? Scott, would you like to give the summary? Or? Uh, sure. Uh, it, it. the uh, God, where do we start here? Okay, <laughs> so um, so this film actually does open up like a uh, like an old uh, uh serial and say, say that for those of you who came in late and gives a basic idea of what the phantom is, it's this kid who washed up on shore, saw his father killed, uh, and uh, was uh, salt via pirate, and then he be- became uh, bestowed with powers by this tribe really? uh, in the jungle. Is that, that what happened? Yeah, they oh, okay. bestowed by. Po- it's all in the prologue, you know. Well, he, no, but I didn't know he actually got powers. He got a ring. 
Sorry. He got powers. That's he has powers. That's okay, very didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. It's so. a fancy ass ring. <laughs> 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 and so, you know, like it's like you know, it's like you know, Green Lantern, except it it's got a skull on it, so it looks cooler. Um, the um, God, I just remembered I had a Phantom Ring when this came out. <laughs> anyway, I wore it too. Anyway, but the um, but the uh, so he gets a uh, bestowed by these powers by this uh native tribe that that uh, uh finds him as he washes up on shore, and he discover decide discovers that he's bet to, you know, fight piracy and evil in all its forms throughout the ages and. He becomes known as the Phantom, the ghost who walks. And in the movie that we see, it takes place in the mid 1930s, uh, just a you know a couple years before America gets involved in World War II. And there's this powerful industrialist uh, in uh, named Xander Drax, played by wonderful Snidely Whiplash Charm by Treat Williams. And he is um, he's trying to he's not only a big tycoon he's also a mafia boss and he's also trying to harness all the this these mystical powers so he can rule the world and he gets kind of went the phantom gets wind of this basically and uh goes from his jungle lair into new york and then out back again and <laughs> they're trying basically he just starts like you know kicking ass like only a guy in skin tight purple outfit can do you know sweet lord that's so, cute Oh my god! That's well. The suit. Well, the, I, if you ask me, the suit had more to do with this film never taking off than anything else in the world. So. Some things can make and break a film. It's the small choices. Yeah, and then they could. They couldn't. They couldn't get around the suit. You know, the Phantom is a legendary character. Um, and uh, the and the suit is iconic. They couldn't get around the suit somehow, and. That's a goofy suit. <laughs> I love it, pulp stuff, but it's a goofy suit. <laughs> well, they, they they left out the striped trunks. They left out the striped trunks. I think they, they did the right thing, though, in this movie, is that they show the suit. If you notice, no one ever mentions the suit. Yeah. No one ever says, what's the suit? Everybody just nods along and just keeps on going like it's, yeah, he's in a big purple suit. Uh, like it's no thing, which I think, given the tone of the movie, is the exact thing to do. Nobody, even Treat Williams, who is camping it up, nobody actually takes the time to wink at the screen and say, we know how silly this is. <laughs> Everybody goes along with it, and that's what I like about it. I'm kind of going ahead of myself. I'm no, sorry, that's guys. Good. Don't <laughs> You know, I wonder about that because a lot of the – there were – big chunks of the film that was cut because the um, test audience, nobody realized it was supposed to be a comedy. So when the test audience was laughing, people, uh, the studio cut a bunch of the comedic parts trying to make it a more serious film. So I wonder if those references to the purple suit may have been in the, I, I wish I would have had access to a commentary. I would have loved to have seen that, but mm -hmm. um yeah, I wonder if some references to that suit and more hamming it up was in, you know, stuff left on the cutting uh, editing room floor. I hope not. I actually kind of like it that they do play it <laughs> very straight faced and just no, this is you know it's the '30s. This is a high adventure movie. The suit. We're just gonna just 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 walk away. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Cole, what'd you feel about the suit? I mean, it's it's its own character in this film. It is. You know, I've got I've got certain feelings about it, and which I'll bring up. I, I understand we're gonna do. No, you, know, you can you can bring it up now. Go for well, it. Well, well, we're gonna ask some Q and A later, right? And my yeah. question revolves yeah. around that, so okay. I don't want to okay. spoil it. Sure, I, sure. You know, um, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> It's not necessarily the color. It, it just the, the whole thing looks a little goofy in contrast to the rest of the film. But <laughs> Dawn is certainly enlightening me here. I, I, you know, enlightening me here. I I didn't realize that a bunch of stuff had been cut. So you know, if this was meant to be more of a comedy originally, God only knows the jokes that were snipped. You know, um, but yes, I, I do have comments about the suit. But I'll save that for the the Q and A later. <laughs> it it's very out there though, but it it goes along with what we've kind of talked about in past superhero films that there's some things that don't exactly translate well being directly from print mm. to screen, and there's a reason why a lot of your superhero uh, outfits nowadays aren't just the tights type thing. They've got a bit of armor. They've got bits to them. They've got textures to them. They've got plating and stuff because I think it makes it a little bit more visually acceptable than a guy in a leotard. Uh, <laughs> if, if you know even if he's built and looks awesome. Even though if he's built, Billy Zan looks awesome physically. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's he's a bunch of cheesecake in here, but or beefcake, whichever one. Uh, <laughs> 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 wow. uh, a hunk of hunk of burning man, uh, and he wears it well. And there is some things in the suit that I think are cool. Like you could see. I mean, they took time in the suit because you could see like a skull picture like a shadow in it, you know, I mean, there's, there's actually imagery within the suit that shows up, which I thought was interesting, but yeah, I I didn't mean to talk about the suit, right? But it's so prominent in this film. Every time it's like, it's like like the elephant in the room. It really is. is. Is that you just can't get around the suit. And there has been kind of a back and forth over the years. Can you be just translate comic books and, be and just show the actual suit from the comics or not uh punisher never really has had his outfit on the screen uh uh, i was really uh wondering when captain america was coming out like okay how are they going to get through the suit and how they get through it is that they rarely have him wearing the actual head stuff that were you know the mask and everything they rarely have him doing that um, in the comic books, his identity was still a mystery and everything because he wore this mask and everything with little wings on the side. Um, you know, and we saw, and we had already seen how that did not translate to, uh, well in, uh, well, I hadn't seen, I haven't seen the serial, but the, at least, at least the, uh, Rev Brown and the, uh, Salinger versions of the, uh, of the Captain America character, but I mean, there's been a back and forth in what can you show, and then all of a sudden Marvel will turn around and say, "No, we're going to show green-skinned people and Rocket, Raccoon, and all this other stuff because that's goofy and it's fun." And they're like, "Okay, where's the line? Where's the <laughs> line on this?" Because people have had to play coy about the outfit. The Phantom is so uh, 
he's first of all he's never been uh he was big he, a long 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 time ago but by the time the movie came out he wasn't like a batman or anything anymore even though he kind of was back in the day um but the the suit is iconic you can't get around it right so what do you do do you like make it darker or do you do this or do that if you look at the trailer for this the shots are very quick and they show the phantom a lot but whenever they show them they don't show them for more than a split second yeah (laughs) um and which is kind of funny because he's all over the poster and everything um but um you know where do you see this line it it the the suit never made much sense of course in the middle of the jungle a giant purple suit is going to (laughs) stick out just a little. I mean, what's he supposed to do? I mean, like, I'm trying to think, okay, are there, like, certain gorillas that have kind of <laughs> purplish No, not that kind of purplish skin. So, no, he's just going to stand out a mile, million miles away in the – he's got to be good at hiding because how do you hide in that suit? It's, it's you know, and it, this is this back and forth that has existed, and it can totally sink something. And I think that a lot of – the reason people were never going to dig into this movie is that suit. Another is the advertising, which Cole made reference to before, and I'd like to mention later. But uh, another, mm, but the another, poster, the poster that says "Slam Evil." The poster. Okay, there's. Okay, since we're gonna do it now. Okay, there is actually. If you look at the teaser poster, aside from these really cheesy words that have been superimposed that say "The Ghost Who Walks." Look at that teaser poster, and it's a like kind of like a painting of the Phantom sitting on a th- on his on throne. His and it it's looked- a it's beautiful. It is. It is. It is a beautiful. Aside from those words, that is a beautiful thing. And I'm like, wow, that is a great big poster. I can't wait for this movie. And it's too bad it's not going to make a dime. <laughs> I, was, I was saying that I knew it wasn't going to make a good time when it came out. Like you know, it's just like okay, then that's coming out in the spring, and then it didn't come out in the spring. It says no, we're going to move this to June. I'm like, really. Okay, and then we saw the teaser posters, Slam Evil, and I just said, okay, who green, Who at the studio greenlit that? They should be fired. They should <laughs> never be, because I can't think of one. It was such a pathetic, transparent try to grab the kids of the day, and I can't think of one kid who wouldn't have seen that and laughed his ass off. We had it in the... In the we never got the movie at the movie theater I worked at, which is kind of funny, because we did get the poster, and, and it was sitting in the mall, and we did... Uh, and we did get the Phantom Rings, which I had... As I said, I had one. Um, the... Um, but... We had the big thing, slam evil. And I just, every time I passed, I was like, that's just, I mean, it, it just screamed, we don't get it. <laughs> it just screamed, we are trying to market to young people, and we don't know what young people want. Yeah. I, if they, it would have been so much better if they didn't even try, if they would have just gone with what they went with. <laughs> uh, it would have, if they went with what the post, the advertising campaign they had, because the trailer's not bad. Um, if they, uh, I just was watching the Blu-ray. I have it. Um, uh, I guess it's out of print. No, no one can have it. I like the movie too much. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but, uh, the, um, but, uh, I, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the, like the, 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 po- the posters, the, the trailer's not bad. The, the marketing, I mean, it was just never going to get around it. They just, I, I thought 
you know, if they'd released it in spring, had kept the original advertising, it would have at least stood a chance of at least making back its budget. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> not like this. Nope. Not releasing it in dead of set in right after the beginning of summer with Slam Evil. Yeah. Don, Don, do you remember when you first saw the Phantom? <laughs> what did you think of this when it first came out? Considering we had Batman not a few years before this. I didn't see it till after it was on video, but I've always liked the movie. It, I just it, I always thought it was a tremendous amount of fun. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of deep here, um, but it's it's it, it's right up my right up where I want to be. The <laughs> in that escapism, that that light. There are heroes in the world. Plus, it also is filmed exactly the way I wanted it to be filmed. The, yeah. the Stylistically, it is a it is an old serial. Yes, down to mm-hmm. several places uh, where you can see there would be cliffhanger breaks. Yep, I mean yeah. you could easily just chop that movie into bits and and show it as a weekly serial, and it would still work. Oh, you could. I, I, yeah, you I can, always just really like this movie. You could you could definitely see it as a, a series uh, easily the way it was written. Uh, Don, I'm really glad you said that. If you don't mind me, me spouting again, I'm sorry. But uh, the um, but you know we get, had uh, before Superman, we really didn't have superheroes on the movie screen. We just didn't. You didn't have a big, huge movie with like superheroes. But then Superman came out, and then it was. Like uh, more than ten years later, until you got Batman, and then they kind of started to play with it. And now, of course, they're all over the place. But there was a time when you did have superheroes on the screen, and it was when during the '40s, where you had the cliffhanger serials, of which there was a Phantom serial that is like a classic serial. There was <laughs> Captain Marvel, um, Captain America. There was a couple Batmans. Uh, were they the same things that they got in the comic book? No, they had to, to play by 40s movie rules and stuff. So instead of like, you know, actually fighting like the Joker, Batman would just fight like these random hoods with mustaches, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but this was how they did it. And the fact that they push, positioned this movie as an hour and 40 minute version of a serial is so endearing to me. So I'm so glad you brought up those serials. Yeah, I mean, you can see it set up. I mean, they they kind of were thinking that they could, you know, establish a franchise almost with the way they wrote these characters and everything. Uh, especially, you know, the the relationship between our uh, uh, main hero and his girl. Uh, but yeah, it is shot like a serial. You're absolutely right. Um, and the way the scenes are cut, I could definitely see it that way. What about you, Cole? You remember when you saw the Phantom? Absolutely, man. I was working at uh, Subway. Um, I, I don't want to say I was homeless because I had money in my pocket, but I was without home. So, you know, I was working at Subway and kind of crashing in various locations. So I would try to find things to do at night. And some Subway did a huge promotion for this movie. They had the Slam Evil thing. Yeah. Like right on, right on the back of the their uh, whatever it was menu board at the time, and I was a huge Billy Zane fan. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. 
yep. uh, because of Dead Calm, which to me is yes. one of the most terrifying performances I've ever seen. I still don't think people talk about Dead Calm enough. This isn't a Dead Calm show, but to anybody who's listening to this and wants to know why I'm a Billy Zane fan, please see Dead Calm. It's absolutely horrifying. It makes my bones cold. Um, so I was like, Jesus, I'm going to go see this tonight. Why not? And I enjoyed it for him at the time. I thought, wow, how did he get this role? You know, this, somebody was, <laughs> this is like, um, you know, kind of like I thought, you know, when they cast Downey, even though he was right for Iron Man, I thought, well, Jesus, somebody's, you know, thinking and somebody's taking a risk and thinking outside the box here. And I liked it for that reason, you know, watching it again a few years later, realizing it was a Simon Winsor film and seeing the tinges of the old West kind of shootout thing in there. Uh, I mean, I love Simon Winsor, you know, I love Quigley down under love. And, uh, you know, I'm one of the few people who, who likes the very weird, uh, old fashioned male bonding of Harley Davidson and the Marlboro man. You know, I love that stuff. He really has a sense for, uh, just, you know, how to, how to update, uh, the Western for modern audiences better than anybody except for perhaps Carpenter, you know? So watching it again a few years later, I rented it on VHS when I was working at a video station and uh, I, I thought it was just perfect. And watching it again tonight, I don't own it yet, but I think it's fairly perfect as, as a movie. I mean, it's not like, it's, it's not going to change anybody's life. Um, but damn it, maybe it's just nostalgia talking, but check out this cast. I mean, Treat Williams, Christy Swanson, James Remar. I mean, Catherine Zeta Jones. Yes. Yeah, of course. Thank you, sir. I mean, this is a phenomenal cast. They're all doing solid work. I don't think anybody's phoning it in. And, you know, watching again tonight, I was struck by, um, how long they linger on the fight scenes without cutting away. I mean, the, the, this, I was reminded again, the scene where he's jumping from horse to horse and a lot of the fist fights and these are all done in, in, a, in a long takes, at least by, you know, today's standards. Um, I have one complaint, which I'll bring up when, not a complaint, but a suggestion, which I'll bring up when we get to our Q and a, uh, but damn, I mean, even the score. Who did the score? I've got it pulled up here. Uh, it was uh, David Newman. David, David Newman. Newman. Yeah. I mean, I I really, really enjoy this film. This this people don't talk about the renaissance of comic book movies that came about in the nineties. But there, it was there was a renaissance of, of comic book movies. Some could argue it came from Batman. Some could argue it it came from other movies. But you know, the Spawn, Tank Girl, Judge Dredd. The Shadow, all of these came out like within five years of each other. Um, and I think this is one of the best of any of them. I really do. I, I would put this just as just as a pure piece of, of fun movie making and uh, just, just, just a great popcorn flick. <laughs> I, I think this succeeds. I, I really do. And again, Billy Zane, I got to say, you know, it's – I, I, that might just be driving my whole engine here, but watching it again tonight, there were so many other elements that I liked, especially as I mentioned, not to, to beat a dead horse, but the, the action sequences. And they, they give Christy Swanson a chance to kick some real ass here, too. I mean, 
she's not just on the sidelines. Whenever she can, she's flinging her fists, which was rare at that time. If I remember right, I might just be running my mouth, but I, I just, uh, I this, I'm fond of this film. I you really don't am. say. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. So, so I, 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 I completely agree. I, I, wow, what, I'm what right on I, board. What have I gotten myself into tonight? Um, <laughs> we are well, apparently we got some of the world's. Uh, I, I found the three people that really love this movie. You found, you, found one, you, found, you found a sadly endangered species, which are people who just unapologetically love this movie. Did uh, somebody just say it was out of print? Is it well, the Blu-ray? Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is like um, I found. I found the Blu-ray in a movie stop. And I got picked it up for like six bucks. I'm like, oh, right on the Phantom, and, you know, for trade in stuff. And then I brought it home. And then all of a sudden, hey, this Blu-ray is out of print. This thing's going for like one two hundred dollars. If you want to sell it, I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm gonna keep it. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like my print. Kind of like like how I have my old my bloody Valentine thing. Like I could, but I know I'm gonna be watching this. So no, <laughs> it's it's mine. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we we we've talked about Billy Zane in the purple suit. I thought he did well as a leading man, as a superhero guy. He was getting into this role. I'm glad someone uh, earlier mentioned the Batman vibe because this is pretty much Batman in the jungle. Um, <laughs> I I and I apologize for cutting Scotty D off earlier, but you know I'm sorry, but it's only hinted at, and I don't need my hand held, but at the same time, I never got the feeling he had any type of power except being like Batman until the end when he faces off against Treat Williams in the three skull laser beam, and he's got his own skull uh, on his ring. Well, he does you talk know. to dead people a lot. I mean, that's pretty well, cool. <laughs> he could be just insane. That, you know, I kind of like. I kind of like. I kind of liked that they actually never mentioned whether, like, um, is he really talking to, <laughs> to the to, to his it, dead father, or is he just, you know? Living his entire life in an African cave somewhere, and yeah, there was a bit of a Belfry. I, I kind of got. I also kind of got the. You know, I get the feeling he was a bit like Doctor Doolittle. Okay, I get that. I picked up on that. But Don, I, I know you. All three of you love it. But Don, I got to ask you that they really don't exactly establish very well that he has powers. I mean, he jumps around in acrobatic, but the stuff he does, like I said, we just saw in Batman in 89. So for me, it didn't establish to me that he exactly had powers. Correct. It, Correct. It, they really, it's really subtle and they do that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Rather than it's, in your face. It's really subtle yeah. and, and they really make a point of driving it home as they're constantly emphasizing the fact yes spoiler room that he's not actually immortal he's not even though they call him the ghost who walks it's it's a title handed down from father to son generation from generation um there are some subtle powers that he gets but even he says he didn't realize exactly what the ring meant right yeah Okay, I'm glad I didn't miss. I'm not something I missed. I mean, I don't mind subtlety at all, but for me, I was like, what's kind of the big... He's like, 
okay, Batman. And, you know, then we reveal too that he went to college for a while and that's how he knows Christy Swanson's character because they had a thing back in college and then he had to go off to the jungle to carry the mantle of the phantom. Yes, this is the spoiler room, folks, uh, which <laughs> I'm going to say I was a bit disappointed. I was kind of hoping he would be an immortal guy. And when I found out they pulled a Dread Pirate Roberts, I'm like, well, <laughs> that's that's film number five this film has borrowed from. <laughs> Which I know the material is very old. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, I'm like, okay, so we got Batman in here. We got, you know, we got Princess Bride. We got a little bit of Indiana Jones with the Quill character robbing yes. tombs, yes. you know, and including a bridge scene. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know we've got we've got him having lots of you know apparently well though it is in a uh, jungle so i'm sure money can be stretched a lot of farther but he's got a cave just like batman you know he consults ancient texts and such and and he gets allies kind of like the shadow i mean i'm like sitting here watching this going man are there the elements though again i guess it's the john carter syndrome because you watch the John Carter movie, which I know a lot of people hated. I enjoyed, but a lot of people's complaints were, well, we've seen all this before. That's because the stuff you've watched was based off of the original John Carter source material that this film is based off. So I guess I'm getting that here. Would you say, Scotty D, possibly the Phantom in that were influences on the you know, superheroes after that? Oh yeah, I mean, people look back to things like Batman and Superman, and they think that's where everything began, and it didn't. Um, the Phantom, as a character, launched I think at least three years before Batman. So, Bat so the Phantom didn't borrow from Batman. Batman <laughs> borrowed from the Phantom, which is fine because the Phantom borrowed from other things, and Batman also borrowed from a lot of other things. If people saw dot actually looked at doc savage they'd be like wow <laughs> then you look back to at, at you mentioned john carter i hate the movie but i love the books you look back to like the old pulp writers like um as i mentioned uh doc savage so house writer kenneth rubson and uh, uh or edgar rice burroughs or anything like that you're going to see the seeds of a lot of the heroes that we love today. And you're, then you're going to look at each of those works and you're going to see a lot of crossover as well. Like, oh, this guy has a fortress of solitude as well. You know, that kind of stuff. But um, so all these great heroes, they didn't come off as a comic page because somebody had a eureka moment. They came off uh, because of a lot of blending of great tropes. And some that were blended especially well wound up standing the test of time. And that's sure. what's happened here. Uh, the I am a huge, 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 huge fan of Pulp Fiction. Sure. Uh, the act, not the the movie, but also I'm talking the actual Pulp Fiction of back right, in the, the day, novels. Yeah, <laughs> and, sure. and uh, uh, yeah. paperback novels and everything. And so all this stuff, I think, is part of a wonderful, wonderful legacy of heroism. And um, the Phantom has a ton of that. Comes from an Ivy League family, but rejected everything to live a solitary life seeking justice. <laughs> it's a master detective. Any of this sounding familiar? It was Batman. It, it, if you watch it today, it feels like Batman meets Tarzan. It wasn't. It was Tarzan. It, back when the Phantom, it was just 
oh, it's a knockoff on Tarzan and some right. of the other things, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's so, it's all of this stuff has, um, there's a great, there's a great history. And I think that um, a lot of the audiences, and I'll probably get into this in the Q&A section, a lot of the audiences today, I think, are a bit cynical and, which is, uh, and really worse, they don't know their history. And right. um, not to be too smug and, you know, well, and she is the tweety up above us because you know everything, Scott. I, oh my I'm god! Not, ah, I'm, I'm tweeting, I'm tweeting you right now. I'm, I'm tweeting not, you right I'm now. Not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that much, but I mean, like, I mean, just crack a cup. Just you know, do a couple Google searches. You know, uh, buy a couple books off Amazon. You can probably know just as much as I do. But you know, but uh, you know, there is a great legacy, and I think that the cynicism of needing everything explained and everything needs to be realistic uh, uh, coupled with this idea that no every idea uh, that every single entity has to be their own solitary entity and they can't borrow from anything else it's ridiculous art borrows from art all the time <laughs> so i think it's a really toxic mix to have that and uh i kind but and i kind of like that when they brought the phantom to the screen they didn't say okay okay we know this sounds a lot like this so we're gonna make this excuse or we're gonna explain it like this then i just said like no this is just what it is this movie is what it is and that's why i enjoy it so much it's like yep yep they're going yep they've gone halfway around the world and then they're going around the other half yep yes he's doing acrobats yep he's doing all this stuff Yes, it plays completely goofy and, and serious. We're never going to wink at the camera and tell you it plays goofy. It This movie is what it is, just like they were in the original stories. I got to tell you, when a movie came out, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie when it came out. Looking at it today, this is such a breath of fresh air. Yes! <laughs> From like, watching all these things that are so god damn serious every movie i can't even watch any movie about people who dress up in freaking body armor and spandex and they want to be like all like grim and serious i'm like <laughs> i'm like guys you do know you are wearing striped underwear <laughs> okay, and, and you know i will turn you hope you turn as purple as the phantom suit <laughs> you're, you're writing your tweet right Hold now on, no, it's, it's an instagram <laughs> i just sent an unsolicited dickish post to you there you go uh no i'm just kidding <laughs> my god this dick pic is purple <laughs> <laughs> with the exact mask from billy how, how, Min no. how, how, how minnesotan <laughs> minnesotan <laughs> Well, we've we've talked a lot about our main character here, but let's talk about the surrounding character with the it people of the time in this film. Because, yes, film, if you look at this cast, and Scotty D mentioned it, or right, Cole mentioned it as well, uh, th these were people, this was built up, you could tell the studio was really hoping to hit it big with a big comic book film. Now, unfortunately, it came out the same weekend as The Rock. So, uh, there is that, but you can tell they were putting their eggs in a basket with this cast. Now we mentioned Christy Swanson, who, uh, what it was just a year or two earlier, she had done the Buffy that Buffy fans hate, but I enjoy Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, I, I dig I, it too. I love it, man. I love the series, but I love the movie first. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> so she was kind of the it 
person at the time. Uh, and then you had Catherine Zeta Jones in here, who was who was being a name at the time as well. And it was like just before she hit with Zorro. Yeah, it was it was just before Zorro. Uh, but you know, it's set in the 30s. But Dawn, did you feel surprised a bit about how these female characters were handled, being female characters of the 30s? Not really. Um, not, not, I was, hmm. I wasn't surprised that the two main female characters. Okay. Let me collect my <laughs> thoughts here. Sure. I was, I wasn't really surprised. Um, they, women were very underestimated in the thirties and utilized way more than we're given credit for, mm -hmm. um, for things from espionage, especially espionage. I just read an article. Um, <clears throat> if I may be allowed a little tangent here, ahead, I just yeah. read an, an article about how during world war one, uh, they used women knitting code into their knitted items, uh, to tell the allies uh, where, when uh, the enemy's troop movements were. And it was all knitted into, knitted in code, whether they would knit or purl a stitch. Oh, um, it was a really I, fascinating article, but wow. apparently this happened all during World War I. Yeah, I, 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 I remember um, so seeing women that. are women were utilized for espionage a lot. So the fact that all the women, all the women, all the pilots were women, and and uh, Catherine Zetas Jones as the femme fatale was very fitting. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I loved about this movie was the only two characters that really developed were the two women. Yeah, the rest mm -hmm. of the characters were completely stagnant, including uh, the Phantom himself. Mm -hmm. Nobody wow. else changed or developed or anything. They were all two-dimensional, except for Christy Swanson and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Sorry, didn't mean to step on you there. You, uh, okay. I just said, uh, yeah, it, it was a girl power thing, which surprised me in this film. I totally forgot about that angle with it, with these two characters. But you're right. They're the two that, that grow in this. And it was, it was also interesting to see Christy Swanson in the role, in this role as well. Because of some of the prior roles she's been, she had been in, you know, um, so yeah, you're right completely on that. That uh, and I remember that article uh, again. I, I apologize, don't if I stepped on you at all. Okay. Um, uh, I remember seeing that at the historical uh, was here in Stevens Point. We have a historical village. Uh, it sounds funny, but it's true. There's some historical buildings, uh, and there's a, a a building where they featured World War one and world war two stuff and they actually had a section that they had just put in place showing the historical facts of how involved women actually were in service behind enemy lines during world war one and world war two and it, it you don't hear that aspect of it usually you know and it, it blew my mind there was a whole platoon it was like doing the stuff like you were saying don uh you know stuff like that or or uh just serving and you didn't realize that so here you have a group of women who are all 
biplane pilots led by Catherine Zeta's Jones character, which surprised me in a good way, though. I dug that. I wanted to see more of them actually in dogfights than that. Oh, I was going to say, didn't you see enough in the shower scene? Well, yeah, I, well, there, there was, <laughs> there was the shower scene, yes, which, you know, I, I didn't, I'm, you know, it was part of the plot. So, uh, it was for a joke to show you how noble the <laughs> van was, uh, the phantom was. So I, you know, uh, but no, I wanted to see them actually in a dog fight. Uh, but you know, Christy Swanson characters too, was actually a very strong character. And, uh, it, it was fun to see her in a role like this and actually getting to fight as well. And they actually get some decent fighting scenes. Cole, what'd you think of the two female leads in the film? I, I, again, uh, well, it's hard for me to add to what Dawn said. I, I think she said it perfectly and had far much more knowledge than I can offer. I can just say I, I love them both, and I think it's great that they didn't need to to throw Catherine Zeta Jones's character, you know, up against a propeller or something at the end and some bloody victory. I, I thought it. I thought that was really cool that. Uh, again, spoiler room that that she aids, you know, the, the sort of victory, and that again, as Don said, that there's some real growth there. You know, it's not all just about revenge and and you know, death and oh, just so, there's so much I love about this movie, but it's just not about you know the vengeance of of everything. It's not just about the victory and um. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the, the female characters were handed, wa- handled wonderfully. One of the things I love most about this movie, actually, I mean, she's Christy Swanson, again, is just great in this in this movie. Um, it, t- it took me a, a few minutes to catch up with the fact that she was in it, you know, when she shows up. Because, you know, I'm a huge uh, fan of hers. I, 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 I was uh, – when my stepmother worked at Fox when, when Buffy – premiered so i saw that movie like a week before it was out everybody thought it was going to be a huge hit which it kind of wasn't but we got these little mini coffins with like stuff in them and it, I, I she was just great i thought she's great i've always thought she was great i don't ever think she's gotten the role that she really maybe deserved but this is close i think she kicks some ass i i I love it, you know, when when a girl can kick ass in superhero movies because <laughs> it has been a long time coming. It sounds cliche to say uh, with the success of Wonder Woman, but uh, I need more of that in my life. Well, and if you look at it uh, in the mid '90s, this was kind of a bit of an unusual thing because uh, you still had the damsel in distress. I mean, you did have Catwoman, and don't get me wrong, but for the most part, in superhero films a lot of your female characters were, they were still, they were just starting to, it felt write them differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And here at Christy Swanson, first off, she's got her hair cut short, which you, you, everybody's kind of, I think you were used to seeing with the fuller head of hair, uh, you know, the longer hair, but um, it's different color. Yeah. And yeah, her character is just completely more mature i think than some of the other more popular roles people associate with her and so it took me a minute to realize oh holy shit that's christy swanson <laughs> yeah if people think she can't act compare her performance in this to mannequin 2 you know yeah. i mean she's she's got some chops man she does she does scotty d I, i'm sure you would uh enjoyed the lady characters here do you think they were uh written fairly well <laughs> I, I think Don Don pointed out something wonderful that showing that everybody else was kind of 
a straight line, and there these are the only two characters that really grew through the movie. She is. I'm looking at this now. I'm thinking, wow, she, it's that's absolutely correct. <laughs> is that they did grow? I like that they were. Uh, each woman had their own sense of agency, and that each one was three dimensional and it wasn't meant, it wasn't kind of taken. They didn't present it like it's an olive branch. Look what we're doing. Look how nice and progressive we're being. It's like, no, these just happen to be women who have a lot of know-how. They really know, they know what they're doing. They can hold their own in a fight. They have a, they have a good uh, brain uh, head on their shoulders. No, they can have, they can absolutely, you know, Hold it together here. This is the type of uh, – I don't want to say this too much because I don't want to like, give it too much credit because I'm sure it could be better. But in a lot of ways, it's the women roles in this movie were the kind of roles we really wished that they were writing for women when they said they were writing good roles for women. <laughs> well said. You know what I mean? Well <laughs> it's like, oh, it's yeah, like well look said. how great yeah. we're being. And when you look at it, they're just there to be sex appeal or something like that. And yeah they don't really get off the launching pad at all, you know? And so I thought that the characters in this were great. And you had that wonderful thing where you have the one, the good woman and then the bad woman and you expect, okay, there's going to be like a big cat fight at the end. No, it's just like at the, at the end, Catherine Tina Jones kicks one of the guys in the balls and says, I think we need to stick together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then, yeah. and you kind of get a lot just in that one line about yeah. Catherine jones's character she staffs her armies completely with women these are probably women who have been pushed around and there is just absolutely no patience for that so i liked that a lot well yeah and you could tell she was along for the ride because treat williams drax we haven't mentioned him much but he's just an oh, over-the-top we're villain. going to have to we, we have <laughs> talk about him in a minute but she, Catherine zeta jones I, I it was a surprising switch for her character because at first Let's put, pardon me for my comment here, but there was, you look at Catherine Zeta Jones at the way, where she was at the time, and you think she's there for one purpose only, but they actually do give her character dimension rather than just being there as the hench woman of the bad guy to look Mm -hmm. good on his arm. You know, she wakes up and realizes this guy's really in it for himself and, you know what? This isn't fun anymore. I'm going to stick with you. We got girls got to stick together because these guys are all just fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the way it actually works out in the world. Usually. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's, it was great to see her character because when you first introduce, you think, Oh, she's just the hench woman, you know, she's just the Baroness, so to speak um, uh, of the GI Joe movie. Uh, But she ends up, having that depth and so does uh you know palmer christy swanson's character uh though at the very end they're trying to keep his identity secret and he like whips off the mask and Catherine zeta jones's character is she's standing right there she's, she's like <laughs> you know a block away she could definitely look and see who this guy is you know it's like it's like, it's like oh my god it's it's it's, it's the guy who always turns out to be a psychopath on a boat in the movies. <laughs> and now that's the part I wasn't really clear on because he said, he made the comment that he's not allowed to share all of his secrets right. and he had already taken 
uh, Diana to the to the skull cave and shown her around and shown her, you know, admitted that uh, he the phantom was passed down from generation to generation, yada, yada, yada. Um, and uh, Sala, Catherine Seta Jones' character, wasn't there for that part. So sure, she may see who he is, but he does. She doesn't know the rest of it. Oh, that's well, true. If you pay attention to the editing, though, it, she's working on the engine or something. I mean, she's not looking. I I paid attention, and I know this is like a cut around. This is probably the editor's, you know, a compliment to the editor. But if you watch the film, she's not looking. I mean, she waves, and then he, you know, he he has that little exchange with Christy Swanson, and she walks back towards the plane and. And um, by the time he has his mask on, it's clear that Catherine Zeta-Jones is, like, working on the engine. So they did do some fudging there. It's possible she didn't see him at all. Okay. We'll, we'll give you that one, Cole. All right. All right. I'm an editor. What do you right. want? To- we'll make some assumptions. I yeah, okay. I, I, we'll I just- can see that. I can see I, that. Yeah. I, I, but the I funny guess. thing is when he pulls his mask off like every time anybody pulls their mask off in these movies the dark paint around their eyes just vanishes <laughs> you know <laughs> i love that it's every time in these movies like they, they got still this, yeah it's still this day. i i <laughs> I think that's great. I love that. <laughs> that's not an insult. I think it's fantastic. And I know we're going a little, we may go a little long. I did not expect it with this film. You guys are wonderful. Uh, but we do have to talk about at least a little bit Drax, Mr. Treat Williams. Of course a, you do, because Treat Williams is amazing. He's incredible, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> Yes. Oh, Treat Williams, folks, if you are if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you knew Treat Williams. He was the guy who just I always felt just didn't quite get there. <laughs> you know, he I mean, was he, supposed to on so many different occasions. And this was like around like one of those occasions like, OK, he's actually is coming back this time. And then it didn't it kind of petered out a bit. You know, so. he, he was, a, he is a, a staple and he just, man, does he play this to the hilt? Cole, how'd you feel about Mr. Drax for a nineties villain, for a superhero villain in general? Well, first of all, that scene with the microscope is hardcore. Yeah. I mean, jeez, really? oh, I mean, I have, I have bad vision on one of my eyes. So I like cherish my vision and that's like. Uh, that scene is hardcore. Uh, but to take it back a minute, uh, there's a there's a movie called Flashpoint from 1984. Yep, I remember. I, oh, I that's I love love that movie. Treat Williams, Chris Christopherson, unknowingly on the trail of JFK's killers. Totally cheesy. Oh, I so want to see this movie. <laughs> oh, if you can find it. I mean, when we get together, we can watch my VHS if it still works. But yes, it's. <laughs> It's fantastic. Another movie that's kind of modern, but has that old West feel, lots of uh, shootouts in the desert, things like that. But uh, ever since then, you know, I've even seen what substitute two and three and, you know, all, all of that crap, just because he's in a deep, uh, is a deep rising. Um, yeah. the, yep. the fantastic. One of the best of its kind next to tremors in terms of movies of that era. Um. Yeah, I love Treat Williams. His performance in this is just so smarmy and slimy, and you just 
you just want to wring his neck, you know? And um, I, I think he's absolutely brilliant in this, that, that mustache and his, his eyes, you know, that just sort of just seem to cover you with slime, you know? Um, the type of guy who'll show up at a party surrounded by enemies and say, hey, I'm a private citizen. You know, it's really, really a good performance. Uh, I'm rambling on too long. I love Tree Williams. And, uh, uh, you know, if I had any any complaints, it's that his his death was a little too quick. (laughs) You know, I would have liked to see uh, Billy Zane slam evil in the literal sense on him a bit more. But uh, he doesn't slam a lot of evil. No, he he doesn't slam. He doesn't slam a lot. But yeah, Treat. I mean, would would there be anybody better for this role than Treat? I I don't. I don't think so, man. I'm not sure either. Don, how about you and Mr. Treat Williams as a villain, especially a '90s villain? You know, I have adored Treat Williams ever since I saw him in Hair. So. I, I've, I've pretty much loved everything he's been in. Um, this movie, as far as I was concerned, he was the only person who had a clue of how this movie was supposed to be played. And <laughs> yeah. that was to the hilt cheesy. I mean, the lines they gave him, he delivered exactly the amount of cheese it was supposed to have. <laughs> yeah. The fact that everybody else was trying to play a serious movie was their misfortune. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's how I viewed his performance. Yeah. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I, I loved his villain in this. I wanted to see more of his villain in this. This, this is like this guy's awesome. You know, at a certain point, I wondered if he was doing his own. He as he was talking about. I'm I'm thinking about the scene in the museum where he is talking about the skulls and he's announcing what's happening. This is happening right here, right now. And I'm like, he's doing his own commentary, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) He did that throughout the movie and it was wonderful. He was, he he was doing his own commentary. And uh, well, what's funny too is it's a movie set just before uh, America gets into war you did have Germany on the right. We have no ounce of Nazis in this film. No, True. No, no Germans, no Nazis. It blew me away. This takes place in 1938. He's slamming evil. Even our villains are not connected to Nazis. They're connected to pirates. Uh, <laughs> um, That's a good point, man. You know, he's fighting pirates, um, you know, led by Shang Tsung. Um, so who who did this? You know, because Mortal Kombat didn't work out, so Shang Tsung decided to lead some pirates. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's an unusual wow. film, and he's an actually kind of an unusual villain. Both villains are uh, for what our superheroes, what we're kind of used to seeing fighting. Scotty D, what about you and our villain of Treat Williams, and and basically what our hero fights in general for a film like this? He's so good. He really, you know, and he's played creepy villains before. Uh, just the year before, he was in a movie that, again, nobody really went to see and nobody liked, but I thought was fantastic, called Mulholland Falls. Oh, just yeah. Just the year before, and I thought he was fantastic in that movie. Um, this movie, he, oh, he's playing the villain again. No, he is playing the 
villain. Like, <laughs> and he is, I mean, the great thing is, is that his performance is very campy and it's very over the top. It's very like, it doesn't quite jump over that ledge into parody. No. He is a braggadocious, uh, industrious who just revels in his evil. He can, he's the type of guy who will throw a spear into a mobster's back across a boardroom and then complain about his bursitis. He is, <laughs> he is absolutely, but he is, he did this so well. And yes. I got the feeling like, oh, he's not doing this though, as of when he takes his villainous turn. He's not doing this like, can you believe this piece of crap I'm in? He's doing this to, as if to relish it, to relish every bit of this part and play it to the hilt. This is his Hackman as Luthor. This yes. is him going for the Raptors and he totally nails it this you know it sounds strange because there are so many great uh, performances that he had over the decades and I'm sure he would kind of be a little bit chagrined by this comparison but it's probably one of my favorite Treat Williams performances yes! in this movie yes! <laughs> well, he, you can tell he's having fun and yeah you're right I, I think Don hit it on the hit uh, as well, he, he knows what he's in. He mm-hmm. knows his role, but he's not. But he's not thumbing his nose at it. No, and there's a Correct. big difference between how 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 he would approach that type of role and this type of role. Right. I, it's and we've seen that from Treat Williams before. Uh, in I'm going to throw it out there because it's it, it starred another person who really tried to make it big but never quite did. Mr. Joe Piscopo. I just watched this movie. Dead Heat. We're talking. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. I love Mm -hmm. Dead Heat. But if you look at the way he plays that film, too, for the type of film it is, he plays the role exactly the way you want it played. Mm -hmm. Because, and, and get off my lawn moment. Nowadays, they try to make films like this, and it's a wink. And we and we alluded to it tonight already. A wink to the audience, a nudge, a poke fun, a ha ha. I'm doing this over top. Look at me. I am doing over top. I recognize how we're doing. And people try just don't get it to that level that Treat does with that film, and especially you know in this one to where he gets just to that edge, but never quite goes over it. So it's almost believable. That this guy is a batshit crazy rich guy going after skulls. You you believe it. It it's he's crazy. Yes, yeah. he is cheesy. He is over the top, but he's just enough. So you buy into the fact that yeah, I could see this guy in real life. <laughs> Absolutely, and, man. And we do get that uh the one guy, I don't know, I couldn't look up the find the actor name, but the guy who played the one Italian boss. He was an Italian in another film. Oh, David with, Provo? Yeah, in almost the exact same suit. I'm walking in. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's, David Provo's a character actor. It goes way back. He's yeah. He's in a he's in a ton of. <laughs> so you know the, the surrounding cast of the Phantom as well are just a lot of fun. So uh, now we're gonna get to it. I know we're going a little late, but we're gonna get to it now because uh, I asked my panel for uh, bringing some uh, topics they might want us to talk about tonight. 
that we may not have touched on already. And we're going to start with Dawn. Dawn, did you have a topic or subject that you'd like us to touch on that we haven't yet? Um, just briefly, um, Devil, the the wolf partner of the Phantom. Um, we've talked about talented um, animal actors in the past, but this one I think did a fantastic job again. Yeah, it, it was an interesting sidekick that was really good. Uh, you bought into Devil. Uh, Cole, how'd you feel about Devil? Uh, I'm, you know, uh, you know me. I'm an animal lover. You know, I'm no PETA guy. I'm not. Uh, I'm not that far gone. But I love animals, man. And and anytime, you know, you have a well-trained animal on screen. I spent hours with my dog in the last great horror movie. Literally hours to get those shots. I mean, it wasn't easy. I have all of the respect in the world for animal trainers. I really do. I mean, at the time I filmed that movie, Hamlet was 11. And even then it was hard to get him to do what I wanted him to do. And I, you know, I'd been living with him forever over a decade. So I have all the respect in the world when you can get animals to do that. And with cats, it's even harder. Cats won't do anything unless they're hungry, you know? Um, but even, even with dogs, it, it that's, as I, 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 you know, I, all I can say is it, it's great work on the dog's part. They filmed it fantastically. And I think it was used just enough. I would have hated if, you know, the dog had been wounded or, or, you know, the dog was used just enough or the wolf rather. I'm sorry. Um, I, I think it was fantastic. That another great part of the movie. I'm glad somebody brought it up. Because yep, just a prime example of the '90s villains who will shoot people, but they still won't shoot the animals. Yes, this is true. <laughs> this is very true. Scotty D, you're a dog lover. How'd you feel about Devil? Devil is great, and I'm glad he didn't get hurt because I would have been horrified. I'm the type of person who I still can't watch Eight Below. Uh, I don't even know. I think all the dogs are fine in that movie, but I mean, if, if a dog even hurt, if it like stubs a paw, I, I get upset in the movie. So you have to go a long way to, if you hurt a dog to make be okay. But I thought that the wolf in this movie was great. I, I like the, again, going with the theme of the movie. I like how that there's a really brief moment where yes, the, Wolf and the horse do seem to be talking to one another. Yes. And then they go on. It's like it is, and, and things are happening so quickly. You're just like, okay, that just happened. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, but, exactly. uh, but, uh, I think that, but I like, I like the thing. I, of course, I love the exchange. Your dog is a wolf. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, a wolf, like, a wolf and he's like, smiling, he's smiling as if to say, Say say your point being and and also isn't it cool? <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's one other animal that shows up in here, a tiger. Uh, that actually it was a really cool scene where he gets to show his Doctor Doolittle skills. So uh, yeah, I liked I liked the wolf, and I love the fact that it was still a time in movies where the bad guys just do not shoot animals. <laughs> The dog comes up on the thugs and holds them in place, and you're just like, they have got, they could shot, but no one thinks to shoot the dog at all. They just go after the people, and you gotta love that. Oh. <laughs> Scott, uh, what topic did you have that you wanted to bring to the table today? Well, we did discuss it a little bit, but I'm uh -huh. gonna bring it up a little more. Um, sure. 
And um, this movie was, you know, it did not do well. We knew it was going to, as I said, you kind of knew it wasn't going to do well with the marketing and the costume and such. But also, um, you know, this movie was PG. Uh, it would be rated PG-13 today, I think, easily, because I think that whole rating has gone away. Uh, PG now just means kids' movies, right? animated movies, and G, like, barely exists. G is for, you know, for toddlers, basically. Um, wow, you're so right. I mean, the, the, I mean, ratings have no meaning anymore, you know? Everything is PG-13, at least, where it used to be. PG-13 used to be like, okay, this is almost R. <laughs> but, you know, but not quite, you know? Uh, but, you know, also, there's a sense of fun of adventure in this that we've spoken of a bit my question is this type of movie didn't swing back too much back then however it was written by somebody who had brought a lot of fun to both r-rated movies and pg movies uh it was written by jeffrey bohm the last thing he ever wrote uh this is the guy who wrote the most uh at least the early ones of the lethal weapon movies uh, he wrote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, and now, of course, people get all smug and crappy even when you bring up doing another Indiana Jones. My question is about the audiences today. Could you make a movie, not necessarily The Phantom, but with the same tone of The Phantom and have it hit today? Or have our audiences today, and I'm, this is not just directed at young people. It's directed at everybody. Um, now, everything needs an explanation. Everything needs a dark and gritty backstory. Everything needs tragedy. Uh, you can't seem to just shrug it off and have a good time at an adventure film anymore without some level of self-awareness. Could something like this that doesn't have this, the uh, uh, showing does not show its own self-awareness that just has a sense of fun that just has a sense of whimsy could something like this make it today or have our audiences become a little too um analytical uh judgmental and cynical Ooh, a lot of, a lot of uncles in there mm-hmm. uh cole what'd you think we'll go with you first why well, I, I it's yes and no i think scott's absolutely right uh, about audiences becoming cynical. And I, I certainly, you know, when I, when I first started podcasting contributed to that and, you know, I can only apologize so many times. It is, it is true that, that, you know, you audiences don't want a certain element of innocence and goofiness. I remember in Roger Ebert's review for the Russell Crowe, did Ridley Scott do that? The Russell Crowe Robin Hood. Yeah. He said, yeah, yeah uh, Ebert's review said, movie by movie, one by one, I'm paraphrasing, one by one, movie by movie, innocence is slowly being raped from the cinema. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I think he's absolutely right. I, I do think that you could do this as an animated film. You know, I, I do think it would be very easy to put a guy in a purple suit, uh, have, obviously, Billy Zane isn't, is, isn't, you know, they wouldn't hire him, but you could have some celebrity voice the Phantom. Oh. You could do this as as an animated film, and it would play just fine. Perhaps even better, and perhaps be a huge hit. You hear that, Leica Studios? Start working on the stop motion animation version of the Phantom. 
that's actually not a bad. That's actually not a bad uh, solution. Thank you, my, thank you, my friend. Thank you. I love you, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> Same here. But Don, that, that's that's my answer. Awesome, Don. Do you think our audiences have gotten too illical? Oh, mainstream movie audiences, probably. But if it were a different format, like a Netflix release, I think it would do well. Yeah. Oh. Wow. <laughs> I, I I dislike Netflix. Well, no, I, <laughs> that's that's, it, that's it, my own grumpiness, though. <laughs> Don Don makes a good point, but though. People, like, right? People are more forgiving for films that go direct to VOD. Not all. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm not making a like saying all audiences, but there are seem to be more people forgiving of a film. You could get away with a guy in a flat purple suit like this on a direct to Netflix film. Um, but even more than it. that, you could make it a serial, a true serial. Yes. You could make it a short uh, episode series like your Jessica Jones, your Daredevils, your other short series that are Netflix originals easily. And you would buy into it with the flat suit because it's on a smaller screen, in all honesty. Hmm. Oh. I, I honestly think how you play the media as well can can uh, skew people's how they receive certain films. Um, and yeah, that's that's a good point. I could definitely see it having a life on Netflix possibly and getting a following of enough people to watch it to where they might do a season or two at least. So yeah, I I could see that. Scott, to answer your own question, what do you think? Oh. Well, honestly, the solution – what I like is that each of you offered a possible solution, which honestly I didn't have going <laughs> when I asked that question. Um, I don't know. I've, uh, I'm kind of – that's kind of been something that's been bugging me a lot lately. As I said earlier, um, when The Phantom came out, I enjoyed it. Now I almost like – looked at it as like a, such a light in the darkness you know yes. compared to what we have today um i mentioned that the half the reason i go even go see any of these comic book movies anymore is just so i can avoid the spoilers because i know someone will spoil it before it gets to uh gets to anything at home but i think that on the movie screen i wonder if we are ever going to have uh, a renaissance of this again. I would like to see it. Um, uh, until then, I think that your solutions are something to think about. They, I think they live right now. Uh, they're in an acceptable format in the form of animated. Uh, it, prime example. Let, let's pull up our last episode. Uh, and, and I don't mean to try to be self-referential, but it kind of goes along with your uh, idea of people forgetting to have fun at a theater nowadays let's look at solo for a minute now solo we, you heard our thoughts on it and, and many people that care about it, but by itself it, all you got to do is change a few characters in that movie and i guarantee you it's received differently because it's a fun movie in general it's a fun heist film there there's not a lot of real heavy stuff that ever happens in that film and we have a number of other films that have come out that haven't done well that I thought were great. There's people that have shit on them. Jumanji. I'm putting it out there right now. Jumanji with The Rock. When I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, that's, eh. You know, eh. 
I had fun. It was a fun adventure film. It was crazy. There was over the top villains. Yeah, I liked it, got, it. It got a little dark, but overall, you know, and there were people on it. Oh, it's not like the riddle. Oh, they were shit. Like this is a fun, just a lay back, turn your brain off type of film. And I think audience, a, a lot of audiences have lost that or, or don't feel like, or feel like they don't have to. I mean, there's people throwing a, a shit fit out there because Venom's not part of the MCU. I'm like, who cares? Again, people are really too into the <laughs> mechanics of this stuff these days. You know, it, it's like it's, the way it is. You know, we didn't. We, you know, you know how many shared universe movie universes we had back then? None. <laughs> but the thing is, that they're they're into the mechanics of it without really understanding the mechanics of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious. That's well, the problem. I I I ask. I, you know, I get to a point, and I I never throw this over anybody's head because I'm just a peon myself. I'm making movies in my own house. But really, how many of you have been on a movie set? I get to that point where they're like, "Well, they should have done this, and they should have done this." It's like, do you even know what you're talking about? No. Well, well blah, and then they choke. You know, well, you're just <laughs> conceited. No, I'm not. All I'm saying is that if I get one bad cheeseburger, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life bad-mouthing the restaurant. It's not worth it. Like, Nice. Yep. Grow, grow up. Grow the fuck up. I'm sorry. It, I'm well, no, no. It, and it's like what we discussed uh, in the beginning, which – uh, you know, before uh, this episode started, I mentioned to Dawn, uh, and I know I'll get flack for it. I don't care. I really enjoy The Last Showman. I I so loved I, that music. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't I, seen it yet. I, it actually was probably on my top of one of my all-time favorite films of 2017. It, I did not expect to enjoy it at all. I, I didn't know it was going to be a musical at first. Once I found out it was a musical with Hugh Jackman, I'm like, eh, okay. Loved it. I got the soundtrack on vinyl. I listened to it on loop for quite some time, the soundtrack and everything. People shit on that movie last, left and right. And I'm looking at it going, why are really people? Well, it's because P.T. Barnum and this and like, it never claimed to be a biopic. It's inspired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It. it has nothing to do with the reality. <laughs> but it was wonderful. But <laughs> I loved the movie. If you look at it, even by musical standards, it is a light film. No one dies. <laughs> There's a happy ending. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's, I honestly have to say, Scott, I agree with you. I think that a good part, not everybody, but there's a good chunk of the mainstream movie audience that has grown so cynical that if you get a feel good, actual happy film on screen, fictional or otherwise, that a good chunk of people are going to shit on it. Because it is a happy, fun, escape film, and people either don't seem to know how to process that or aren't allowing themselves because they think in some way it's going to demean them. Yes, yes. You know, it's going to reflect poorly on them. Well said, sir. You know, whereas I am sitting here going, I love Megaforce, and people go, what? I'm like... Barry Boswick, gold Bay jumpsuit, fly motorcycle. <laughs> okay. I fully admit I enjoy that film. I enjoy Hudson Hawk. 
Yes! Hudson Hawk. Oh, that was so good. Hudson Hawk. And people out there, even Bruce Willis won't talk about first rule of Bruce Willis is don't talk about Hudson Hawk. Yeah, he now now pretends like it was a horrible thing. Like, no, your attitude today sucks. Yeah, yeah. Back then you were fine. (laughs) So to to answer your question, yes, Scott, I think think Dawn's right. It would live better on Netflix. Uh, I think on the big screen, I don't think this would be a success. I think it would be not well received. And considering this is from the uh, the well, the that it'd be a different writer now. But considering this, the original Phantom from '96 was written by the same guy who gave us Briscoe County Junior. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, who gave us uh, uh, the Lost Boys, Inner Space, Dead Zone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> This is the film is written actually very that, well. That that guy passed away way too young. He yes. was he was a good, he was a cracking good writer. <laughs> he, he was that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we're a little too cynical for for the Phantom today. Uh, and Cole, how about you? Your question for the evening. Well, it uh, my question it ties into you know the purple suit, but also you know the the era that the movie is portraying. Um, how do you think this guy, how do you think this flick would play in black and white? Ooh. Hmm. Scott, what do you think? Well, I have never actually, I, it's regarded as a classic, but I've never actually seen the uh, serial from the 40s. Um, but uh, I imagine that the suit is a lot more easy to digest there. <laughs> Then it would then it would be you know right out there, big as life today. You know that's actually a good question. You know if you, I was watching the uh, the blue last night because like most um, like most spoiler room episodes, uh, I was reminded of it when I saw a post from Mark on Facebook uh, among the group <laughs> saying like I'm really excited to do the show this week. I went this week shit and I grabbed my <laughs> and I went and grabbed my Blu-ray out of a cardboard box somewhere. Because uh, I still have my apartment still full of cardboard boxes, I still haven't unloaded them. Um, the uh, but I was watching this and I was remembering, God, this thing is so beautifully photographed. It just looks absolutely sumptuous on the w- wide screen, you know. But you know, in black and white, I'll bet you this would actually play pretty well if you could like kind of drain the color of it rather than look, you know, gritty or whatever. I think what it would look like is it would look like one of those classic serials or like a classic Tarzan movie or something like that. Yeah. I bet you it would look really good. Don, what would you think of the Phantom Chrome edition? I, I agree with Scott because of the way it's filmed. It It has that even in color, it has that um, – I don't know how they filmed it. I'm not that technical. Um, but but even in color, it has that visual texture of a classic 30s film. So black and white would probably put you right there. Yeah. Um, although I do like all the vivid colors. It's just <laughs> – that's you like sweet. Billy Zan in the bil- purple suit. Let's face hey, it. Hey, he fills it out well. <laughs> he does fill it out well. No Mr. shame. Abs. No, no, no shame. <laughs> whatever the term is, beefcake, cheesecake, whatever. Uh, yeah. He, uh, or beefcake, cheesecake. But there you go. That wouldn't taste very good. But 
It could be well, Billy Zane. It depends Zane, on if you're talking about Billy Zane or, or um, no, why am mm. I drawing a blank on his name? Mm. You know, Captain Jack. Oh, oh, Jack, Captain Jack Harkness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Barrowman. He's he's my cheesecake. Yes, he's. Uh, that's a man crush. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting into a whole weird area here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not judge, I'm not judging. I think it's fantastic for the monk, but I'm just thinking. But I'm just thinking, like, well, and I and I thought I got off top. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, now she mentioned John Barrowman, and we're, we won't go there. Anyway, thank you, three of you. I couldn't believe all three of you actually enjoyed uh, this film. I will say you've given me perspective on the Phantom. Uh, watching it this time around, being the older person I am versus the 20s person I was when I watched it, being the huge Batman fan I was, uh, I have a better appreciation for it. I'm not sure I enjoy it quite as much as everybody here, uh, <laughs> but I do enjoy a lot more moments than I thought I would uh, in it. And uh, in the end, yeah, it definitely comes from a time when studios were really scrambling to try to figure out this comic book thing that they didn't think was marketable. And suddenly someone showed it could be. And now they're all trying to get in on it. So this was kind of them learning for later films that we would get today. So (laughs) there you have it, folks. Hope you've enjoyed our discussion. Hey, seek it out even if you can. I think it's on Amazon Prime or uh, other venues out there. And now this is the point of the show where we get these fine folks to help tell you where you can find them when they're not here. So go ahead, Cole. Hey, man, I've got a movie on Amazon Prime. It's free if you have Prime. It's called The Last Great Horror Movie. Uh, I'm proud of it. And uh, if you're on Facebook, it's uh, Shadows and Lovers Productions. Again, Shadows and Lovers Productions. We make uh, little micro-budget horror movies uh, with pennies, but they're filled with emotion. So if that's your thing, feel free to check us out. Yeah, he only has people in his cast named Penny, so that's why he makes films with pennies. Cause <laughs> there, there's like, it's a really tough cast list to get because Penny's not a popular name anymore. So <laughs> but when, but when he gets them, they're pennies from heaven. They are. They are <laughs> 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 and Don, where can they find stuff oh, from you? <laughs> well, occasionally you can find me in the audience.net. But, yes. you know, if you check that out, you're going to find out that I have really questionable taste in movies. I, I wouldn't say so. I'd say you have excellent taste in Word. movies. So, Word. Uh, definitely check all that great stuff out. She writes words uh, that you can read, uh, unlike myself. Uh, so, and, and next to Don, Scotty D, where can they find some of your stuff still lingering out there on the interwebs? It is still lingering because I haven't done anything with it in a while, but... Uh, who knows? Maybe that might be changing soon. That might be something that I've been thinking about recently, kind of revamping. But till yeah. then, yay! I know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Please, I'm, like finger, fingers crossed. I'm a big um, fan, man. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And um, what you can find out there still is at moviocrity.com. You find out a lot of my writings, and uh, also uh, you can catch my old web series, Moviocrity. Uh, YouTube has it, but the only place to see all the episodes is at vimeo.com slash channels slash movieocrity. 
and and by that he means so you can see the boobies. So so you can see the uh, boobies because apparently, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, YouTube, YouTube did not let YouTube was okay with the boobies even with the things I had flagged for eighteen and up. But the second I showed two women, uh, uh, actually kissing one another, oh, they made sure to ban that episode. So are you fucking serious? I, oh, there you go. You just, yeah, you just I swear to God. So I mean, if you want to if you want to. If you want to watch a, 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 a pretty humorous and slightly informative uh, web series about beat, about exploitation films and strike against the patriarchy at the same time, check me out on Vimeo. <laughs> there you go. And uh, yeah, all great stuff, folks. Thank you so much for listening, folks. I know we went a little long. I did not expect the Phantom episode to go the way it did. Thank you to my panel tonight i love doing these and getting these unexpected discussions uh about a film that i initially didn't didn't care for i'll fully admit but now i have more appreciation i may actually even watch it again uh sometime Uh, and that's not a lie it's the simple truth because i found it a lot more fascinating this time around but i'm older not much wiser, but I am older. And <laughs> just to let you know, the, the, I was, it was bugging me what film I was trying to figure out uh, that I had seen uh, the character actor David Provol in. It was UHF. Where he oh, yeah. Almost, oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And that was before The Phantom, but he had almost the exact same suit on in The Phantom that he did in UHF. I swear, it felt like the same. I'm like, that's where I met him. remember him from. So... Side note, thank you so much for listening to us, Babble folks. Now, uh, let's go slam evil, everyone. Say slam evil. Slam, slam evil. evil, everyone. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs>out there looking for more spoiler room goodness then why don't you check out our brand new patreon page patreon.com slash special mark productions where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more you can also find us on facebook groups at smprd and on the twitter at special mark pro let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room as well as just how we're doing in general we appreciate your support and remember in the spoiler room the conversation is fresh but we do spoil the movies.